over the last few, I've been sharing over the last two or three Sundays, a couple of Sundays on the area just of the wounded spirit, and uh, I've just felt God moving. Uh, I feel His presence right now, just coming, wanting just to touch and heal people. So what would have been happening in the church over the last two weeks or so, three weeks, uh, many of you would be starting to find that you're having a lot of emotions, a lot of things surfacing that God is wanting to heal. So if you've been finding in your marriage, your relationships, your personal life, that uh, you've been very, very angry or very, very weepy or finding that there's turmoil going on, it's because God is just stirring you so he can bring healing. And God always stirs and opens things up before he brings a resolution. Uh, if we want to have God's favor on our life, we must come into God's order. Say that again. If you want God's favor and blessing on your life, you actually have to align or come into his order. And so many times, there's things we carry in our heart that have hurt us and wounded us, and they stop us giving ourselves to the Lord and, and receiving God's best. And so how many people over this last two or three weeks found, whoa, this stuff in my life, who swirls, swirls. I think Helen Clark said swirling. <laughs> swirling going on, lots of swirling going on. Well, that's okay, that's good. Swirling is good, but you don't want to stay there, you want to move on. I want to share with you today how to actually uh, position yourself to be touched by God and the process of God healing us. We were speaking about the wounded spirit. And I want to just pick up where we were at, and I want to share just a few scriptures with you, but I want to also show the process that uh, enables the Spirit of God to come around our life and touch us. How many of you have noticed over years that God seems to come on some people more readily or easily or work on some people more strongly than others? How many have noticed that? And of course, we, we feel a bit upset about that. To be, we feel a bit upset about that. I mean, it's not really fear you know, that God does that. But then uh, I've learned over a period of time that God's good and fair to everyone. He doesn't treat everyone the same. He treats us uniquely. But he also responds to the way we've responded to him. And most of the time, what you see outside is a reflection that some changes or decisions were made internally. Okay, so I want to just talk now on healing the uh, wounded spirit. And so we start off in Proverbs 15, 13, that scripture, Merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. So we saw in that verse, just recapping where we're at, we saw that sorrow can damage your spirit. If you go through a period of uh, deep sorrow or grief, a family tragedy, a marriage breakup, uh, betrayal, rejection, the whole range of things, life has got some troubles in it, that's for sure. Because we live in a world, we don't live in heaven, we live on the earth. Earth is a spiritual war zone. And so just as a part of being a part of life, we encounter some things which hurt, disappoint us, and can deeply affect us. And the Bible says very clearly, the spirit of a man can be broken. When your spirit is affected, it affects every part of your life. We saw that when a person's spirit or inner life is full of joy, the first place it's seen is on the face. So when you see a lot of people who are gloomy and depressed, you know there's something wrong on the inside. So when the joy of the Lord, when the life of God is in us, it always shows on the countenance. There's a brightness, a life of vitality. And uh, last week we saw uh, several things. We saw how people get wounded in their spirit. And we saw there's a great tendency in all of us that we don't really want to go to God about it. In fact, most of the time we blame God for it. Can't understand why it is he's allowed this to happen to me. How come you let this happen to me? So we get angry with God and we find other things to comfort us. And last week, last week or so we were talking about the various places we go to look for comfort when we're hurt. 
And there were a whole list of things that I gave you. And these eventually become idols. They become addictions in our life. And they become substitutes for God. And they open the doorway for us to uh, be oppressed by demonic spirits and not to actually experience what God has for us. So if we're going to walk with God, we've got to actually forsake the idols. We've got to forsake the things we did that comforted us and made us feel better. And we gave a whole heap of those, ranging from very mild eating lots of chocolate right through to a lot more heavy and more serious things. But uh, all of us should be aware that when we're in pain, we're going to find comfort somehow. And uh, we share with you some of the addictions that, are, that people go to and, and the need to actually forsake them if we want to encounter God. You've got to let them go. You can't hold on to them. And uh, today I want to talk then about God healing us. And uh, let me just give you a, few, a couple of scriptures. I want you to understand very clearly that God does intend to heal us. It's as hard as his plan, whatever we've been through, to heal us. In Nehemiah 1 and verse 4, in Nehemiah 1 and verse 4, Nehemiah, this is an Old Testament picture of God's heart to heal. Nehemiah, his name means literally this. It means the comfort of God. How about that? So he was named the comfort of God. Or it's another, the, the, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter or the comfort of God. So when you read about Nehemiah, it is a biblical picture of the Holy Spirit, how he feels, how he operates. And Nehemiah had received bad news that the city of God, the people of God were broken down. The city literally had been collapsed. There were no walls. Uh, there were no gates. The city was now vulnerable, open and exposed to every kind of defilement. And the Bible says when he heard that the city was broken down like that, that broken down city is a picture of people whose lives have been wounded and broken. Maybe your life has been wounded and broken. The enemy's got doors in and out of your life and you don't seem to be able to get over it. The Bible says when Nehemiah first heard about it, it says he sat down and he wept. Now that tells us the heart of God. When, when God sees us going through difficult times and circumstances, when he sees someone being abused, when he sees a divorce, when he sees a father abandoning his children, when he sees these things, he grieves over it. He's not sort of remote and distant. He feels what we feel. And he is willing to do something. You see, God's compassion will move him to do something. And so Nehemiah, it says he sat down and he wept over it as he thought and pondered that what pe the condition of the city was so far short of what God intended for it. And then he rose up and did something about it. And we find the whole book of Nehemiah is about God rebuilding what the devil had broken down. Now, the heart of God is to rebuild. Look at this in Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up all their wounds. God is a healer. He heals those whose hearts or inner life has been broken. If you've been brokenhearted, hurt, wounded in any kind of way, then God wants to heal you. The word heal is literally the word meaning something like this. It means to mend by stitching up the wounds. Have you ever had a, a cut or a gash that needed stitches? I was involved in a motor accident one time and I needed 50 stitches. I was literally lacerated all around top part of my face, went out through a windscreen of a car and I, and I spent some time. And what they did was they had to stitch up all the wounds. It's a, it's a bit of a process. You've got to find the wound, clean the wound, and then you stitch it, and then eventually the stitches disappear and the wound is all healed. And so the word healing, God heals, means he comes to the place you're hurt and broken, he, he gets rid of the infection, the demons out of it, and then he stitches it up and binds it together so that you can be healed and made whole. He heals the broken heart. That's the word Rapha, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer, the one who comes near. 
And uh, it says he binds up. That word bind up means literally to bandage. He bandages us. He bandages us. In other words, he puts something around us that will promote and help the healing process. And this is what God is like. Now, the Bible, I only give a couple of scriptures. The Bible's full of scriptures of the willingness of God to heal our broken lives. And when you have a look at our community and the terrible, horrendous things that are present in the lives of people, God is willing and desires to heal. Now, I want you to look at the scriptures. So this is a crucial one because it lays the foundation where we're going to go now. I want you to look in 2 Corinthians 1 and verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 1, here it is, verse 3 and 4. Now, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and look at this, the God of all comfort. When people are in pain, there are two things they need. They need comfort, and they need hope. Comfort, something that'll heal the pain, something that'll release the pain, and hope, they need a picture, and a hope that the future will be different and won't just be the same. So people need comfort and hope. Now notice what it says of God. It says he is the God of all comfort. Whatever situation you've been through that was painful, difficult, maybe your parents with their children, it may be children with their parents, it may be some situation you're facing in life, God is able to comfort in every situation. God is able to do it. He is willing to do it. You just have to position yourself for it to happen. He is called the God of mercies. In other words, he looks down and doesn't judge us. He's not harsh on us. He wants to come and put his arms around you and comfort you. He's willing to do it. We've got to find a way that we can make this reality in our life. Notice what it says here. It says he comforts us in all our tribulations. Not just one. Whatever circumstance you have encountered in life that's brought pressure, conflict, turmoil, or wounding to you, God is willing to comfort that. And not only that, all the future ones as well. So you and I don't have to live a life that's fearful of what may happen to us because what happens is God says, I will be with you. I'm the God of all comfort. No matter what you face, I am able to help you get over the pain of it. Whatever pain you face, no matter what disappointment, no matter what upheaval, no matter how life didn't work out so as you expected, no matter what tragedy you face, I am able to come in and comfort you in all your tribulations. And not only that, now here's the part that's the best part of it all. God not only comes to comfort us, but the Bible says that you might comfort others with the comfort that you have received of God. So when we go through painful experiences in life, God is able not only to just heal you, but is to totally redeem it so it becomes a stepping stone to touch the lives of other people. There are people who need to hear the testimony of those who came through and got out the other side and they're a different person. There are people among us who've been through tragedies in life. God wants to heal you, not just because He loves you and wants to heal you. He wants you to become a channel of hope to someone else that you can appear before someone else and say, listen, I know how you felt. I know what you've been going through. I was there, but look at me, I'm through it. 
And when you stand up and you say, God gave me comfort. Listen, you don't have just a, a Bible verse. You have an experience. You have a substance of God that is able to flow and bring healing to someone else. And they need what you have. They don't need lots of Bible verses. They need a genuine person who's encountered God that can overflow and say, listen, I have something in me that will help you. Listen, when you share your testimony, it releases the anointing that touched your life to touch the life of someone else. I was just with a guy yesterday. And I asked him the question. He was driving me from the airport to the, to the place that's going to speak. I said, tell me, how'd you get saved? I want to know how you came to Jesus. And you know, as he began to tell me, I just felt tears coming. I looked at him and he's crying. Here's this big Maori fellow, and he's weeping as he shares how he came to Jesus. I'll share a little bit later about that, how he came to Jesus. And I felt, I felt touched too. Man, if I wasn't saved, I'd have wanted to come to Jesus then, right there. It would have pulled off the road and I'd have got saved right there in, the, in, the, in that van. Because in the sharing of how God had encountered him and touched him, as he spoke of it, it released the same anointing into the van and it began to touch me. Now listen, if God has comforted you, then you are able then to ca you carry something. You have something. You have a testimony of the work of Jesus Christ. It's living, it's alive. And no person with any argument can beat that. You got substance of God in you and there's someone out there needs what you have. There is someone needs what you had. I had one guy came up to me and, and he was weeping. And, and, and I had been sharing on some principles and things like that. And he said, oh, he said, I'm so angry. And I said, why are you so angry? He said, I'm angry at my parents. I said, why are you so angry at your parents? And he talked about the, the, the exclusive brethren church that they were in, the parents were in, and the, the tremendous grief that this whole situation brought into his family. I began to weep with him. I said, I have, I have friends in our church who've been through just this. And I said, I can tell you there's hope on the other side. You can come through this, but you've got to stop blaming and you've got to stop your expectations of they're unreal. You've got to actually get real. You've got to face this thing and you can walk through it and you can build a different future than what would have been if you'd stayed there. But you see, so I was able to share out of some things I've experienced. I was able to share about when he talked about the pain of religion hurting. I could feel that. I felt that. I know what that pain's like and I've come through that and I know how to touch people in that area. But listen, there are people in the world need you to break through on behalf of them. They need you to touch God so they can look at your life and say, I see this hope for me. There's hope for me. So you look back and you say, well, look, I had a bad background. Look what I did. I was involved in crime. Listen, the very fact that God has touched you, got, out, got you out of it, you got something to give to someone else who's there. You, you say, well, you know, my marriage was bad. It blew up. He was abused. And I was a wreck. My whole life was wrecked. Listen, but, I'm, but you come through that and there's a whole heap of people just like that need what you've got. See, they need what you've got. The church, we've got to wake up. God comforts us so we may, in every tribulation, every situation, so we have something to give to someone else. It's time you stood up with what God gave you and started to talk about it and not be ashamed about it and let someone know there's a living God. And he touches lives still today. He's still a healer. 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 And he changed me and he can change you. See, that's what people need. Comfort and hope, not slick words. They need comfort, true comfort that comes from people who've had experience. Nothing like experience to make you soft, to give you a heart that's non-judgmental.
You know, when people have had no experience, they become very judgmental. Well, you just get over it, get over it. I think I should hit you right now and then see how quickly you get over that. <laughs> well, it's true. That's about how it feels, isn't it? Because what you, the thing is, you know, yeah, yeah, you know you've got to get over it. The problem is you don't feel any sense of compassion or love. You don't feel comfort and you don't feel hope. You just feel there's a judgment. You just sort of do something. There's something wrong with you. And you see, that kind of thing kills people. That hurts people. Makes them angry. See, what's needed is compassion. What's needed is people who have experienced God. Experienced Him. Not just come to church, but they've experienced Him. You need to experience Him. You need to experience Him. And then you've got something that no one can take away. See, Christianity is to be experienced, not just talked about. Experience. So God comforts us so we can comfort others who are in any trouble any trouble by the comfort we ourselves with the comfort of God. You've got to have something. So how does God comfort us? We've got to understand what comfort is. Say, say, you know, I used to have comfort, I'd eat chocolate. Trouble is with eating chocolate, you get spots on your face, you find that you get fat, and uh, you get giddy, and you get giggly, and you get crazy, you know, and it doesn't, doesn't do it again. And then tomorrow you want more. You get a, today it's a choco high, tomorrow it's a choco lack. You've got to have more. And so you keep going back, you keep going back. You know, and then you know, there used to be the drink. I'd like to have a drink. And then you go to bed, have one, you have another one, have another. It just goes on. See, that's the world's comfort. But there's something Jesus said, listen, you go to that well, you keep drinking, you'll always be thirsty. There's something I can give you that will really help you. Now, I want you to understand how God comforts. Because if you don't understand how he comforts, you won't understand what, what is involved in being healed. Now, listen, comforting is not just coming alongside someone. It's not, it's not just saying, you know, oh, you poor thing. Oh, oh, what terrible things you've been through. Oh, it was so unfair, so unjust. Oh, you should get back at them. Now, listen, this is what people commonly do. They give stupid advice. You see, now, the, the word comfort means literally this. Remember, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the comforter. It means literally this. It means to come alongside someone to be their friend and to relieve and soothe the pain so it's not so painful and to put strength into them so they can face the challenge that's ahead. That's true biblical comfort. True biblical comfort. It's to come alongside someone. Because when you're in trouble, the problem you face is loneliness. You are overwhelmed by the sense of being alone. And, what, and the thing that brings the greatest comfort is when the loneliness is broken and someone penetrates your world and comes alongside you and just comes near you and they're there in your world with you. Boy, comfort has already started just there. Just being someone with you, even if they say nothing, already you begin to feel the comfort. And when it's God does that, you begin to weep. You feel His presence. And you feel it's comfort. Because God is a comforter. It's his nature. So he comes. So the word comfort means to come near to your side. And then in coming near to your side to help soothe the pain. So you don't feel so in pain. And to put encouragement into you. So you can stand up again. You can face this thing. And to put hope the future could be better. Isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? That's what true comfort is. You know, it's a just read and meditate say, ask God well what does it mean what is, what is it, how do you comfort people how do you do it I like to you know the physics background I mean I like to know how things work I say how do you comfort people Lord and he says well very very simple he said I just come near them and I just am there for them 
and then I put words into them that bring hope. You see, you see, if you're wounded in your spirit, it takes spirit to heal spirit. And the two things that will heal spirit, your spirit, your inner man, one is the presence of some spirit, of the spirit of God, and two, the words of God that bring hope and healing into your life. So if people are going to be healed in their spirit, what they need is they need to encounter the presence of the Spirit of God and they need the words of God that come in and bring healing and a hope of a better future. That's how you get free. And I just began to weep because I felt God come in. I just sat and cried. In fact, I've been feeling it this morning, knowing that I was going to talk about the comfort of God. And I began to, just coming down, I could feel his presence coming into the car. I just began to weep. I didn't want to get out of the car. I thought, oh, God, that's terrible. I'm coming to church or crying. I haven't even got in yet. I know they cry in church, but boy, I'm crying. I haven't got in there yet. You know, it's just the presence of God. It's actually feeling his love come around your life. It's feeling his presence come around your life. So it breaks the terrible isolation. See, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Now, it's more than physical death. It's actually the separation from the one who loves us. It's separation from love. And when God just comes around you, that's why people kind of... I remember coming to someone sitting over there and said, could you explain to me why I've been crying all the service? I walked in there. I started to cry as soon as I walked in the door. I've been crying the whole service. I said, why am I crying? I said, simple. Because the presence of someone has come near you and you're in pain and you're starting to feel his love. Your head can't work it out, but your spirit is saying, God is here. God is here. It's going to be okay. See, that's what happens. That's why we, that's why we have to build an atmosphere where God is present. It's not about having song service. It's about engaging God and having his presence come. Because when people encounter his presence, they begin to cry. They don't even know why they're crying. But they're feeling the comforter of the comfort of God. So the way God comforts us, he comes alongside us and he enters our world and we start to feel the one who loves us there. You feel loved. That's what causes you to feel comforted. He just accepts you like you are. And, and then you, because of that, you, you're overwhelmed. You know, when we're in pain, we feel pretty ugly, you know, you know paint up. But most people when they're in pain, they'll avoid church. Yeah, like the sheep, you know, the sheep are sick, they'll all wander off in the flock, they don't want to hang around the flock. But when people are sick, they'll all avoid church. If someone's got something wrong, they'll always avoid church because it reminds them there's an unresolved issue. But you've got to just stay there and connect with God in a, in a, in a corporate meeting or connect in a small group meeting. You don't run away. Don't run away from the one who loves you. Why would you run from love? That's what Adam did. He ran ahead, covered himself up, hid in the trees. Why would you run from the one who loves you? He's not going to accuse you. He's not going to condemn you. He comes because he's the God of all comfort. He's a God who loves people. And so he wants to come and touch us. And so when, you, when you're in pain, this is the one thing you need more than anything that will comfort you. You need the Spirit of God to come and touch your life. And then immediately you feel the comfort. I'm not alone. I'm loved. Then God begins to put his words into you and strength comes in, you feel, I can get up, I can get through this, you know, I can, and God begins to show you what to do, I can do this, I can do it, I can do it, and, then, and that's true biblical comfort, God gives us comfort and hope, comfort to come alongside someone, love and reassurance, you're there for them, so the comfort, comfort means literally this, and this is the message of comfort, you're not alone, you're not alone, because when you're in a mess, you feel alone, the message of comfort is, I'm here for you, the message of comfort is, it's going to be okay. Now, any of you who are parents, who had a child fall over, and they've, or they've hurt themselves, you know what the first thing? They start, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
there because kids are great. They're better than adults because they, they come straight out with it. You hear it all, you say. Now, what, do you, what normally, all your mothers, now what would you normally do to comfort? Now, you don't sort of stay at a distance. You just run around, put your arms around, give them a big hug. Then you speak words. Is that so hard? That's what people need. Not, not, a, not a lot of, you silly boy, get up again. Don't need that kind of stuff. They need comfort. Don't need prophet people to come along and point out where they went wrong. It's comforting. Sometimes I hate prophet people. They're, they're merciless. They come and they point out where you went wrong. It's not going to help me. I know that. See, what I need is a prophet that will come and bring the heart of God. And then revelation how to get out of it. It's a true biblical prophet. would do that. See? Others just plain judgmental. <laughs> okay then, so, all right, so I want to give you six ways that God comforts us. Six ways that God comforts us. Each one of them are part of the package. And when, when, you're in, when we're in distress and God wants to comfort us, there's, there's a number of ways he does. He's not limited, remember, and he's not even limited to my list. So don't take this as a definitive list. But essentially, if God wants to comfort you, he can use one or several ways of doing it. And often he uses more than one, so he could use several out of this list. So don't just say, well, I want just this one. Just be open to all the ways God can do it. Don't tell God how to do his job. You know, as you'll see, I'll share it shortly. You've got to just position yourself so God can do the job. But don't tell him how to do it. You know, as people do that, they tell God how he's got to do it. No, you don't tell God how he's got to do it or when he's got to do it. You just turn to him and ask him to do it and let him do it any way he likes. And some days you do it in a way that'll cause you to have to be humble. You're going to hate some of this, I know. But it's never, nevertheless, this is how God works. And I don't want you to select one and say, that's the way. Because some of you have got one way of going to get comfort. And of course, it doesn't work because God won't always allow you to use that way. He'll use another way to comfort you. So I want to share with you. The first one is direct personal encounter with God. I love this one. This is the one we love. No people involved. Goodbye, people. People are bad. They hurt us. We just want God. Just God. And then they get religious. Just only God. Nothing of man. Oh, I hate that term. It's just so bad. Anyway, so personal encounter with God. Let me share with you a story. Just like, this is what caused me to weep. I was in this car and I said to this guy, Peter, Peter Wanger, and he's a, he's a uh, guy who runs, who manages drug arm in Wellington. And uh, he was raised in a very abusive family and uh, he got involved in the gangs, got involved in drug dealing. In fact, he pioneered and founded a mongrel mob up in Wainui Amata, or one of these places down, down in Wellington. So he was a tough dude and he was an enforcer. Anyone who knows what an enforcer is, that means a big, bad, mean fella. And he was a big boy. He's a really big boy. Got the tattoos. And so, you know, he could deal to people. And uh, anyway, eventually got thrown into jail. He was in jail, I think, uh, put into jail. He's many, many years in jail, but he's sent up to jail for drug dealing. And while he's in there, he's planning how to murder his wife, who's running the business while he's in there. He just hates everyone. And uh, while he's in there, and then uh, anyway, someone, so, someone come up to him and said to him this, Do you know Jesus, Peter? He said, you talk to me like that, I'll kill you. So not all witnessing works out nice, you know. Not, everyone, not everyone's really happy to see you when you tell them about Jesus, you know. They don't always give a nice response. And so, uh, so any, but here's the interesting thing. He said, I couldn't get it out of my mind. For days afterwards, this thing's ringing. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? He said, like, I had this thing in my head. And, I, and I was, he said, I was getting so angry and so mad about this. He said, finally, I, got, I was in my, in my cell, and he said, okay, God, 
If you're real, you've got to prove it to me in an unmistakable way. It's a dangerous prayer to pray, isn't it, eh? <laughs> and he said, I said, what happened? <laughs> he said, suddenly heaven opened up and he said, I felt God come into my cell. And he put his arms around me and he hugged me. And he, he said, I could feel arms around me, hugging me and telling me he loved me. And he said, I wept like a baby. I wailed and wailed. I began to be concerned. Other prisoners would hear, that I, hear me crying and think I'd really, really lost it. And I had lost it. He, all the years of anger and abuse and violence just melted as he felt God loving him. See, now what did God do? God came alongside him, told him he loved him. And out of that, he just began to break. He broke. The whole insides of him just broke. He wept and wept and wept and wept. He gave his life to the Lord. Yeah, the, 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 the next day, they had a, a meeting there. His wife comes to see him, and, and God's encountered her the same night. And she's got all the drugs and she's tipped thousands and thousands of dollars of drugs out and she's a bit scared to come and see him. You know, he's been planning to murder her. She's scared to come and see him. She's just, you know, throwing away all the drugs. She said, oh, she said, Pete, she said, oh, oh, I said, I've done a terrible thing really. He said, but God really touched me last night. I got rid of all the drugs. And he said, praise the Lord. God's touched me. <laughs> and he said, now this is in the prison. This is in the prison. It's in the visiting here. And, and then his son came up and his son... And he and uh, and and really staunch, you know. He said, uh, uh, "He said the thing is, although God's healed me and, and is doing the process of restoration, he said I have to still have to reap what I've sown." So he said, "I've got some kids are still really off the rails." But he said, "Half," he said, "about four of them have come back into Christ, come into Christ." But he said he just hugged these boys. He told me he loved them. This boy, he's as tough as nails. And, and as he hugged them and told them he loved them, power of God came on this boy. And he was slain in the spirit in the cell, you know, in the prison welcome area where the visitors come. Just down he went, weeping under the power of God. Now, I like that. Oh, I love those stories. Direct encounter. But, but, and, he, and Peter was weeping as he was telling me the story. I felt it too. Oh, you know, God, you know. And you feel it. You feel it. See, that's God. So God can do it directly. Well, I like that best of all. That's a great way. Don't have to have any people involved in that one. But uh, there's, he'll give you a couple of other ways that God does it. So direct encounters. Direct encounters still happen today. He said, we got a whole heap of people saved. He said he had, he said he had a group of eight guys from a gang came up, said, we're going to kill you. He said, you got rid of one of our guys and, uh, you know, led him to the Lord, you see. And uh, we're not happy with that, so we're going to get you. So eight of them surrounded him. And he just suddenly rose up and said, all right, who's the biggest one? I'll take you out first. He said, he'd lift his fist back to thump this guy and he suddenly felt someone's holding his arm. <laughs> Look around, there's no one there. I can just imagine a big angel <laughs> got him. And God said, don't do it. Trust me. And he said, Jesus is Lord. And the guys got a shock and all ran away. <laughs> He's a tough gang member in prison. Isn't that, a, isn't that a great? What a great testimony. What a great thing. A direct personal encounter. That's a good thing. I believe in encountering God. Encounters with God are real good. Real good. Okay, here's the second one. Acts 9.31. Acts 9.31. second one is the presence and touching of the Holy Spirit. The presence and work of the Holy Spirit. 
a presence or work of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts 9.31, it says, The churches had rest and were edified and walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and they were multiplied. Now, what you've got to understand, it says they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comforts people, and it's a walk, a lifestyle. Why did the church need to be comforted? I'll tell you why. Because there wasn't a person in the church that didn't have a testimony that as a result of being a Christian, one, their, their whole family was assaulted. You see, when you look in the Bible, in the beginning part of chapter 9, there was a tremendous persecution. You read about it in, in, in Acts chapter 26 where Paul testifies, and Paul just went in and out of houses. He beat up the men. He beat up the woman. He took them into jail. Many of them were tortured for their faith in Christ, and multitudes of them were murdered. No wonder the church needed the comfort of the Holy Ghost. See, they've seen great miracles. They've seen great things happen. And now they're going through a period of tremendous persecution and what they need. You see, the thing is, it's all very well over here to think about it. But, but when you're there and someone you love has been beaten to death or tortured to death because they believe in Jesus Christ, you go through deep emotions, tremendous turmoil. And what you need is comfort. And I can imagine as they came into their meetings and they began to worship God, President of God would just come and people would weep. Comfort of the Holy Spirit. Comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's why you should, if you find yourself wanting to cry in a meeting, just cry. Just do it. It's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It's God coming alongside you to comfort you and love you. So the bitterness and the anger and all the resentment, all the desire to get back at people, so it just flows out of your soul, out of your spirit. There's a healing comes because God is there. It's the comfort of the Holy Ghost. That's why we love the Holy Spirit moving. That's why we want to be a Holy Ghost church. Why would you not want the Holy Ghost? You end up having to perform. You end up having to pretend that things are better than they are. You end up living life on the surface, and in your heart, you're broken. And that's not, that's not the life. That's not the comfort of the Holy Ghost. So we want the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Here's another, here's another way, Proverbs, uh, sorry, Romans 15, verse 4. Romans 15, verse 4. And Now, see, so here's, here's the next thing. Now, see, a lot of people don't know this or not aware of this, and so because of that, they, they're missing out on ways that God comforts. See, I love the supernatural encounters, but to tell the truth, I haven't had many in my life. The comfort of the Holy Ghost, I love that, and I've had a lot of that. But here's another one, and I've had a lot of this too. This is a very important one. And I was reading Romans chapter 15, verse 4, and it says this. It says that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So here's another one. The Word of God can comfort you. The Word of God can comfort you. And so the, the Bible says that whatever was written in Scripture in the Old Testament, all the old things that were written, are written for us. So when you read about Joseph in prison, and there he is, he's got a great dream of being a leader, and there he's now in prison, he's been sold by his brothers, he's done a great job, and now he's, he's, his master's wife is, has, has framed him, he's, he's in jail, he's actually accused and condemned of, of attempted rape, and now he's in jail, and the lowest part of jail, what he needed was the Word of God. The Word of God. The Bible says the Word of God tried him. He held the Word of God through all of that. And so the Bible talks about men like Joseph, men like David, men like Moses. And it doesn't just tell of the good things and the great things God did. It tells of the trauma they went through in their lives. 
Why? So that it says it's written for us. Why? So that you can draw something from the Word of God that speaks to your heart. Because the same Holy Ghost who wrote the Word of God can take that same Word of God, make it come alive with a personal rhema for you. And you're reading it and suddenly something just lights up out of the Word of God and you have a rhema of God and you begin to weep and you're comforted. God, I feel your presence here. See, this, that's the way God does. So you, 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 can, you can do it two ways in the Word of God. One is just by the Word of God speaking to you. God gives a raiment to you. The other is as you look at men's lives and you study and meditate on them, you have hope your situation can change as well. And so all of the great men of God, they all went through horrendous things in the Bible. You know, just, there's no one got it easy. Serving God had its own set of challenges, let alone the things in their life. So there's, there's three ways which are direct. Like one's a personal encounter, one's a comfort of the Holy Ghost. The other's the Word of God. The Holy Ghost speaking through the Word of God. Oh my, when He gives you a word, you can hold on to that. You just can hold on to that. Here's, here's another way that God comforts us. Now, the, the first three take place when you're alone, or they could take place in a corporate atmosphere where God's moving. But this actually involves people. The next three involve people. So virtually, there are two ways that God comforts us. One is directly through an encounter, through the Holy Spirit's work in our life, or through the Word of God. And the other way is through people. Now, you've got to be open to this. This is, the th- this is why so many people get in trouble, is they don't understand that God actually, when He wants to comfort us, uses people. But the only way people are going to access you is if you open your life enough and form relationships where they can do it. In other words, you've got to position yourself for it. Whether it's direct from God or whether it's coming through people, you have to position yourself so there's God can touch you directly through the Word, by His Spirit touching your life, or through people. So give me three, I'll give you three ways that He does it through people. Here's the verse one then. It's through the prophetic word. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3. It says, He that prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So one of the functions of the true prophetic word is to bring comfort to people's lives, to bring comfort where there's distress. So why does, how does it work? You see, a lot of people think, I use prophecy, blah, 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 blah. Now listen, listen, when you get a true prophetic word, when God just speaks out of heaven and starts to touch a person through the gift of prophecy, what happens is as you speak the word of prophecy, people feel God come near them. See, again, comfort coming near. So when a prophetic word comes, there's a release of the anointing or the presence of God, and you feel God come near you. You know, I've, I've had prophecies over me, and the thing that every time was always the same is when I got a prophetic word that came out of the heart of God for me, I suddenly felt the presence of God come near through the prophetic word, and the coming near is the part of process of comforting you. You begin to weep. That's why when you prophesy over people, they begin to weep. They're feeling comforted. They're feeling God come near them and ease the pain. That's why the Bible says everyone should desire prophecy. Then you're in a position you can comfort people. You can bring something from God that just touches them exactly where they are and ministers to them. You bring God to them through the prophetic word. What a great gift that is. How are we to desire that gift? Not to just do some ego thing, but to actually sincerely touch the lives of people. You can touch unsaved people with a prophetic word. I've talked, I've had that. You just had something for them. I remember just being in a shop and this, this a woman, I began to talk to her and I, I said, I said, I feel God saying this. And I just shared this thing. Well, she began to weep and weep and weep and weep. You think, what did I do? I, you know, it didn't mean anything to me, but it doesn't mean anything to the carrier. You're only the message boy, but to the person who gets it, God comforts them. 
What a wonderful thing, God comforting them, comforting people. I'll do that tonight. We'll pray over people. You'll see God move and comforting people. So the Holy Ghost, the gift of prophecy. Here's another one. Here's another one. Spiritual fathering is another way that you receive comfort from God. And this is one people miss out on because they don't connect rightly in church. If you have authority issues, you won't connect to people who can mother you or father you in God. You'll react to them because you've got an inbuilt reaction to anyone over you. That's why the last two, three weeks, God's been speaking about the whole issue of putting things right with spiritual parent, with parents, natural parents, so you can position yourself, so you can receive guidance, advice, input from someone over you. Now, a lot of people, if they, let me say it, I'll put it real blunt. If you've got an authority issue, then you cut off this one channel of God working through you. Totally. It just doesn't work. It doesn't operate. And you also cut off other channels as well. So here it is, spiritual value. 1 Thessalonians 2.11. Notice he said, Paul is writing, he said, We exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you like a father does his children. Now, a father can speak words that bring comfort and encouragement. Now, listen, this word comfort here means literally this. To relate near. It's the same thing. To come near and speak words that calm and soothe and bring comfort. The word charge everyone means literally to speak out of personal experience in life. So this is what a father, a spiritual father, a natural father can do this. You've ever noticed in, in, in a family how a father can bring a settlement in the family, can bring a peace into the family? If he embraces his role, he is able to bring words that bring healing and life in the family. If he doesn't, it's a problem, of course. But a fa a spiritual fathers and mothers are able to do this. So a person who carries life experience with God and has a heart for the next generation is able to speak words that bring a peace and a comfort and a reassurance. That's why it says you've got a lot of teachers. People teach you stuff. What you need is someone who father you, someone who will actually speak into your life and speak in such a way you feel calmed. It's going to be okay. Dad's here. You wait till dad gets home. Something about dad being there. You know, it's not, not just dad's what he's going to do. You just wait till he gets home. It's actually being there. So absent dads are cause a huge problem of pain that need comforting through God comforting us and through, through actually needs men who will be men of God. I look around the young ones over here and, and, and you guys, you just got no idea what some of them have gone through in their homes and families and the struggles they're having with their dads. And in here there are men who could help, but don't probably because you haven't been fathered yourself but at some point you've got to decide whether you're going to move from being a child and a babe and, and come up past the stage of being a young man and become a father who's actually able to speak words into young people and speak words into young Christians and speak words of encouragement that's we're destined for that who wants to that's part of being a man and of course it works for women as well you can grow up and become like a mother see Lynn's a great mother to people anyone who goes anywhere knows that there's something in her heart that just mothers and loves and speak words that brings comfort so spiritual so we need parents in the church who can speak into it it's a program won't solve it it's actually a person with a heart for someone you know you can roll up and say I want to help or do something but you've got to actually have the heart that just loves people and willing to talk to them and get involved with them and I, and I know there are some around who do get involved. I know some, you've got your homes open and you've got sort of, there's something in you that just loves them and you bring them into your home and the young people always feel welcome there. Well, that's a wonderful thing. That's, that's spiritual parenting. That's what the body of Christ needs. Getting, it got real quiet all of a sudden, hasn't it? 
And okay, here's the other one. There's another one. So we've got the, so another way of company is the fellowship of friends. The fellowship of friends. Colossians 4.11 says, These only are my fellow workers in the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort to me. Now, people can comfort us, but not just anyone. The people who comfort us are people who have a common spirit, common value system. So you don't just open your heart and tell your pains and woes to anyone. You actually got to be quite selective. And you need to build some people in your life who you can talk to and share your pain with. You need some, we all need some people that we can open up and say, I'm not doing so good. Can you, can, and, and you just begin to share your heart and begin to talk and let God t- work through them. But now that, that's why we have small groups of various kinds. You need to be in a small group. Why do you need to be in a small group? Well, that's what we do in the church. Oh, come on. This is nothing about it. It's so, so you make relationships and you have people who care for you. The, bodies are, the members of the body are to care for one another. Don't wait for a pastor to do it. You have to care for one another. That means you've got to understand you have something to give someone to comfort them. So let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, six ways that God does it. And he can use any one or several of them. So don't cut yourself off or block off from God. Neither cut yourself off from people because God works through all of them to help us and to comfort us. So the, the final thing I want to share is how do you position yourself to be comforted? How do you position yourself to be comforted? Because you can make choices. You see, you can be in a church like this, you can hear a message like this and still walk away and your heart is broken, you've got the same mess in your life you had last year, year before, and next year when we come back you have the same mess again. Won't be, won't be changed. You have to choose to do the things that make way for God to comfort you. You've got to choose to, to get out of what's been in the past and to build a different future. You choose your future. You're here where you are because of choices. You'll be there tomorrow wherever you are because of new choices. So let me just give you some simple keys on it. I, I won't take too long to develop. I'll just give them to you. Number one, don't refuse to be comforted. Don't refuse comfort. Now, you'd be amazed how many people refuse comfort. Here's a Bible example of Genesis 37 verse 35. Jacob refused to be comforted. Now, he'd lost his son, or at least he thought he'd lost his son. His other sons had lied to him about his son. And uh, so what happened was that he was really grief-stricken over the the loss of young Joseph, and and he just refused to be comforted. So actually, here's the problem. He believed a lie, and then he he made a stupid statement. He said, I'll go down to the grave grieving. I'll never get over this. Now, you understand, he actually literally refused to be comforted. He believed the lies uh, that had been spoken to him, and then he made a decision. I'm not going to let anyone comfort me. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to brood over this. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Stay a mess all your life. Sad and gloomy. Come in every time. Well, oh, gloomy. Don't be like that. Come on. God wants to have a cheerful heart, you know? And uh, a merry heart does good like a medicine. So the uh, second one. The second one is you've got to express your hurt. In 2 Kings 20 verse 5, God spoke to a man and he said, I have seen your tears and I will heal you. Now, what did he see? God's always looking. What did he see? He saw him cry. There are two things to express your hurt. And the first one is the best one. The first one is called tears. Tears. Tears are a way of expressing pain. Tears are a way of communicating loss and communicating pain. And yet you've got a, a culture where men aren't supposed to cry. Why on earth not? They get hurt like everyone else. What are you going to do? Bury it inside and brew up and smash something and break something and drive crazily or do some other crazy thing? Listen, tears are a way of expressing pain from within us. They're a communication. And so I find when I feel the presence of God, I cry. I feel touched. I don't know why. Why do you cry? I don't know. I just do. 
bit embarrassing sometimes. Men shouldn't be crying. Okay? But men do cry. Jesus cried. He wept. At the, why did he do it? He stood at a grave with his friend who died and he wept. The Bible says he prayed. He prayed and he wept as he prayed. He, he was over the city of Jerusalem and he wept over Jerusalem. He was a man of passions. Tears are a way of expressing feelings. So why be staunch? Just let it go at times. Just let the tears go. Because tears enable you to unlock the grief and the pain. And you think, well, I feel like I'm losing it. No, you're just letting it go. You were never meant to keep the tears in. Get the tears out. When you got them out, even if you pray, well, long as they ever cried for, it was about an hour to two hours, I suppose. Then it was all over. Whatever was in me, it all gone, and I was right. But it felt like it could go on forever. Feel like you might be crying for weeks. You might be able to do anything, function properly. You're going to have to hide, you know. What am I going to do? You know, I feel I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I'm just falling apart. You feel you're falling apart because what's happened? All the control is letting go, and now the grief is starting to grieve. It's healthy to express feelings in a constructive way. So tears are a way of, of expressing our pain and our feeling. Tears and talk is the other one. You need to talk. You need to talk about what's happening inside you, what you've been through, what you've experienced. You need to talk it out to God. Talk it to God or talk it to someone, but get it out. You don't bottle it up. It's never made to be bottled up. It'll wreck you if you bottle it up. It doesn't just go away and it doesn't get buried. It stays alive and it haunts you all your life, affects you all your life. You've got to let it go. You let it go. You just you let it go. Let it go out. You let it go. Sometimes it's not easy to talk. You need, people don't want to listen. Most people, when they're looking for someone to, to, to they want to share their heart, they'll, 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 they'll send signals out to see if you're listening. You become a great listener. You know what I tell you? If you develop your skills of being a great listener, you'd have a ministry for the rest of your life. Because people want to talk to someone who will listen and love them and comfort them, not give them silly advice. Okay, here's the second. Here's the third thing. You need to believe you can be healed. You need to believe you can change. You need to believe God. All things are possible to him who believes. God is a healer. God is good. God is willing to heal you. Whatever you've been through, God's willing to do it. You just need to be willing to let it happen. He says, I'm the Lord. Just choose to believe that God will heal me. Choose to believe it. That's not bad, is it? If you just did those things here, I say, well, I'm not going to go on anymore. I'm not going to refuse this thing. I'm not going to be staunch and tough. I'm going to just let it go to God. Just open it out. I'll begin to let my heart go. Let the... And of course, when you try to, it's not always easy. Because if you bottle everything up for years, you don't let go too easily. You don't let go. But here's a guy, a hardened guy in prison, and the love of God, he just let go. I remember a young homosexual boy that I prayed for, and, and just I put my arms around him and hugged him. I've done it more than once, actually. I just put my arms around this young boy and just held on to him and hugged him like a father would hug a, a child. Hugged him and held on to him. And he, but staunch. And the suddenly, blubbering mess. Just all the grief of years went out. But he felt someone near him who wasn't going to be put off by the walls. And eventually love cracked the walls. Come on now, think about this, eh? Love cracks the walls. So, so here's something. The next thing, we need to forgive. Need to forgive. We've got to release and cancel things. You can't just hang on to the past. Let it go. Cancel the past by forgiving. And finally, you need to feed on the Word of God. We need to feed on the Word of God. Why do we need to feed? Because the Word and the Spirit work together. And it concerns me that people come and they love having experiences but never really spend time in the Word of God. You actually, the Bible tells us that God works with His Word. So it said in, in Genesis 1, the Spirit of God moved. When the Word came, then something happened. So if we've got no Word of God in our heart, there's not kind of a faith base to draw God's provision around our life. 
But when you start to spend time in the Word, you start to look at the Word and meditate on the Word, then God can quicken His Word and make it come alive for you. David spoke in Psalm 119, and he said, Your Word has, give, has quickened me. He's comforted me with His Word and quickened me or put life into me. And I can remember being in a place of tremendous difficulty, and then, then God quickened a Word. And I just began to weep. Why? Because God is here. I'm not alone. And God has shown me the way through it. Comfort and hope and a different future. See, now, you understand now that's not something like, I can't guarantee if you come up an altar call, you're going to suddenly have it all over with because God's got his way of working with you. Direct encounter, the flow of the Holy Spirit, uh, whether it's the word of God coming into your life and speaking to you and bringing healing, whether it's some person speaking over your life, whether it's a gift of prophecy, whether it's just in a small group and they gather around you and love you and begin to pray for you, and finally, God breaks through into your life. But you and I can position ourselves for it. We position ourselves for God to move, and then He will come. He won't disappoint us. He will never disappoint. He may not come like you expect, may not come when you expect, but He will never disappoint. He will never disappoint. He'll never disappoint. He never disappoints. Never. He just sometimes doesn't come when you think He will. And it leaves you wondering what's going to ever happen. But if you just remain open in position, God will touch you. Just close your eyes right now. Just have someone up on the stage, just on the keyboard. Thank you, Lord. God is preparing the church to come to a whole new level in faith and also a level of connecting to people in need in the community. So don't stay. Don't stay in your place. Don't refuse to be comforted. Make the decision. I'm going to actually face and express what's in my heart. Let the tears come. I'm not going to control anymore what's going on in my life. I'm going to let go to God. What a wonderful thing just to let to him. Feel him touch us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You just play the strings. Just put them on for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Don't want you to just come up here. Just, don't, just come up here. Just don't come. Quick, quick, quick. Here, come. Thank you, Lord. Amen. See, everybody's got Dot here with me now. And she could choose whether to open her heart up or choose not to. But if she opens her heart up, it's almost certain that God will respond. See? Just give me a hand. Just give me a hand. And just in a moment, you're going to feel God come near you. As he comes near you, the disappointment, the struggles you've had with family, things that you just push down in your heart so long, so deeply, I just see God just comforting you and feel his presence. And there's that whole realm of loneliness you went through with the birth of Debbie. You've let go of the anger, you've let go of all the other things. I just see God wanting to comfort you. Just let him come, just let the tears flow. You're not alone. All you got to do is just think back to what it was like. What you felt, the loneliness, the pain. And then just let Jesus come and comfort you and it'll all go into space. See the presence of God all over us. It's tears. The presence of God. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. You feel him here? See, just even prophesying will start to release his presence. to say, but if we can bring God to people, oh, how they change. You can't always put it in words, but we're to be carriers of God to people. That's what it means to be the temple of God. It's truly what it means to be the temple of God, is we carry the presence of God wherever we go. Carry Him into a community that's desperately hurting. We comfort others with the comfort we've received. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Michelle, why don't you come on up? Just come and stand here. That's right. Just give me a hand. Thank you, Lord. There's been a wrestling and a struggling going on in your life. Huge issues wrestling with. Great loneliness. God's with you. sense in this atmosphere today, God will comfort you if you just open up to Him. Why don't you just make your way out of the chair and out of the seat and just come to the front just begin to lift your hands to Him. Talk to Him. Let Him touch you. You come. People today needing the comfort of God. Let Him come. Just come now. Come. Come. Broken families, broken hearts, broken lives. Just come. It's not about someone praying for you, although we will pray for you. It's actually about just opening your heart. Instead of refusing to be comforted, it's reaching out. If God could come into a prison cell and touch a gang member who was a violent criminal, a dangerous criminal, planning murder, his own wife, God could come in put his arms around him and love him. He could do that for you. Let him do it right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's right. Reach out to him right now. You're not alone. Let the tears come. Tears are good. They're getting the pain out. They're expressing something. Disappointment. Loneliness. Grief frustration, whatever it is, you're not alone, 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 Jesus, let your presence come, let your presence come, presence come, Father, touch Leon, Leon, there's just so much pain and disappointment and regret, 
you've come to the Lord, you've become aware of it and seen it. God wants to come and touch you. Come on, just touch him right now. Even though the loneliness have been cut off, God will never cut you off. Never will. He'll never cut you off. He will never cut you off. He hasn't cut you off, and he never will cut you off. He loves you. Come 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 You know, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel saw these bones, they were dry bones. There were many of them, very many, very many and very dry. And this is what they said. We are cut off. We're alone. And hope is gone. And it's within that situation of having no hope and being alone that God said, can these bones live? The ones that are alone, the ones that are cut off, can they live? He said, Lord, you know, you know. God said, well, prophesy. Speak my word into them. And as he prophesied, the Spirit of God started to come into them started to touch them. Father, right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we break the power of words that have been spoken that brought cursing and abandonment. We break the power of disappointment and grief and death. Father, we release the spirit of love and life and revelation. We release the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Back here all these years, all these years, you've been so angry. But you're not alone. God's never going to abandon you. Touch him. Touch him right now. Touch him. Touch him right now. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Just come right now. presence of God here. People at the front weeping as God touches them. Tony and Lynn, can you just make your way through? Let me just pray with you both. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
could never happen. I see God opening a new well. Rivers in the wilderness. Fruit in the desert places. These latter years shall be years of joy, years of reaping, years of blessing, years of enlargement, years of experiences together. Experiences together. Experiences together. And then all these years, it's been a lone journey. But God brought you together. The devil's tried to steal what God intended for good. These latter years are going to be years of togetherness. You're going to marvel. Not only going to marvel, you're going to, both of you, will speak words that will bring healing to couples divided for years. of God touching people comfort of the Holy Ghost <laughs> comfort of the Holy Ghost I love the Holy Ghost I never want to be in a church that didn't have the Holy Ghost comfort of the Holy Ghost comfort of the Holy Ghost why don't we just get some of our leaders to just come up and Lay hands on people and just pray for them. And perhaps you've got a friend who's standing up. Why don't you come up and just give them a hug? Remember, there's a comfort that comes through people, connecting with people. When we're grieving, when we're facing things in our spirit, we really do become separated and alone. But we don't have to stay there. So if you've got a friend coming up, it's already come up here. Why don't you come up and just give them a hug? Tell them you love them. You value them. God loves them too. You just may not know what that hug could do. Come on, come. Come on, church. Don't just remain disconnected from people. We're to be involved with people. Involved with the young, involved with the old, involved with people every age. Thank you. sitting down, just come up and just be with some of these ones just as God is touching them come and be a part of what God is doing Father we just thank you for the work of your spirit here right now 
Ghost, come over his life right now. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Let's touch him right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Janice, God loves you. He does love you. And there's been a lot of disappointment over sickness and family and marriage. But God loves you. You're a blessing to many people. You're a blessing to us. A blessing to me. Maybe you don't realize it. You don't think that, but you are. Father, let your comfort come today. sense that today God is doing a work of, of binding you together. Sometimes Sharon you feel left out but you're not left out. God is wanting to bring a, a greater depth of flow together in your marriage, a greater awareness of his presence. Come on right now. Let your comfort come on now. a moment here, people weeping as God is touching them, healing the broken heart. bones live I speak life into you me I speak life into you today I speak life in Jesus name live stand up begin to walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and touch the hearts of people again Father touch you Father, we just thank you for the work that you're doing here. Just thank you for people whose lives are being touched. We feel your presence here today. We just thank you for the work you're doing, just raising up a people that lean to the community and touch people, ordinary people, carrying the experience and the love and the life of God. We thank you for that, Lord. 